That's right. Welcome into yet another edition of the First Draft Podcast, your Tuesday resource for all things 2021 NFL Draft Field Gates and Mel Kuyper Jr. here. Mel, it's just you and I for right now. We're working through some tech issues with Todd, 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 but it's great to be with you nine days away from the draft. Yeah, closing in on us, Field. And we did this exercise, which was three rounds picking as the GM. It was not a mock draft. It was a draft where we were the GM of each team that was making that selection, not worrying about needs, worrying about who was picked prior. I had the odds, obviously, for a reason, very odd. And, and Todd had the evens. And, and there we go. And I had the first pick. And we rolled right through Field. So we had a lot of fun with it. I think this was probably one of the one exercises, not a mock draft that we enjoy the most because we're picking who we would select based on our ratings, not who we think they will take. I agree with you, Mel, only because I know how much you guys think of each of the prospects that we've discussed so frequently, understanding that just because you like, for example, Kyle Pitts as the number two overall player, doesn't mean you can throw him in number two overall to the New York Jets. So, and we might have Todd, Todd, Todd joining us potentially. We'll stand by just in case. But we're going to get started here, and I'm just going to ask you about some of the picks. The entire three-round mock draft is available now on ESPN+, Plus. as is your latest piece, Mel, about some players that you might like more than maybe the NFL does, so to speak. Guys that you just love. Uh, Justin Fields makes that list, amongst others. You can read that piece in its entirety on ESPN+. Plus. So as you mentioned, you had the odds. Todd had the evens. So the first pick that we have to talk about is the one that we think is the first pick that's kind of up for grabs. That's pick three. It's San Francisco, and you went with Justin Fields. I went with the second highest rated player as far as the quarterback on the board, and that was Justin Fields. I know it's trending to either Mac Jones or Trey Lance, the 49ers, but Justin Fields to me uh, would be an ideal fit, given that dual threat quarterback that I think Kyle Shanahan hasn't had, and he would certainly be a benefit in a division with you know Kyler and Russell Wilson and now Matthew Stafford. So I went with Justin Fields based on my rating and my grade for the quarterbacks. Yeah, and it sounds like, as you mentioned, it's going to be Mac Jones most likely going to San Francisco with a bit of momentum charging for Trey Lance. But uh, I just feel like, Mel, every time I think back to when that trade went down, when Adam Schefter broke it, the immediate aftermath was suggesting it was going to be Mac Jones. And I just don't see teams moving the needle with their quarterback target after making a huge move like that. You move up because you know who you are planning to take. But while Mac Jones doesn't go third in this draft, he doesn't have to wait much longer, Mel, as you. This has to be the easiest trade to ever orchestrate in NFL draft history. As you orchestrated a trade, they got the Patriots up to pick number seven. And the thing is, the irony in all this is that the Todd who's been screaming field for years about not being able to make trades didn't make a trade. And I made the trade because it fell beautifully. Mac Jones dropped down to that seventh spot where the Lions are picking. I'm picking for the Lions so I could make that trade without having to consult with anybody since I'm the GM for both of those teams in this exercise and worked out beautifully. Detroit, the Lions moved down to 15. New England moved up to seven. You get the guy who comped to a young Tom Brady, and that's Mac Jones. And then Detroit slipped down and was still able, as we're talking about, to get that linebacker, which is a positional need area, and they get arguably the best defensive player in this draft in Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons. But to the Patriots, you can't wait any longer. You can't say, well, it was like it has been for 20 years with Tom Brady. Tom Brady cured a lot of ills. He saved you from mistakes. He still made you a winner every year, just about. So when you think about where they are now, if Mac Jones is the closest thing to Brady since Brady, then why not in that Alabama situation with Belichick and Saban 
getting back to the way Brady played, that's the way Mac plays for Josh McDaniels, the coordinator, in terms of calling plays and implementing that system, and we're re-implementing that same system as opposed to what they're doing now with Cam. I think it all made perfect sense. If Mac gets down to that seven spot, the trade-up for New England, I think, would be entirely possible. People are always wondering, all right, so if New England's trading up from 15 to 7, is the cost going to be like San Francisco's price to pay? Which, in your mock draft, you didn't suggest it would be like what San Francisco paid to move from 12 to 3. It might involve a 2022 first-round pick. It might involve a 2021 second-round pick. One thing that friend of the show and the great incomparable Peter King and I have talked about over text recently, Mel, is maybe teams are going to covet these 2022 selections even more this year than normally because of the fact that there's just so much more available information, we think, a year from now as opposed to this draft process. Do you think that's impacted teams' thinking at all this year? Like, if we can add a pick in 2022 or even 2023, let's take that, even though it doesn't help us right now. Yeah, we gave up the two. We gave up that 45th, uh, 46th pick uh, Detroit okay. got from New England via this trade and then a potential pick in 2022 or picks. And to your point, yes, and I want to see when we get into the fourth, fifth round, even the third round, our team's valuing that next year pick. So if you're in the third, well, I'll give you my – I want your two next year for your three this year. Or I want – during the fifth, I want your four next year. I'll give you my five this year. So if you want to get a higher pick in next year's draft, maybe that opportunity presents itself. But I think for, for the Lions, needing so many players and so many needs to move down to 15, yet still get Micah Parsons, and then still be able to get in this draft wide receiver help and pass rush help is because of the depth there at wide receiver. And we'll get to that in a minute, who they were able to get. And I made that pick in round two for the Lions. So it was a little method to the madness. You get the defensive player in round one at linebacker, and you know there's going to be a really good receiver sitting there for you in round two. So at number nine, the Broncos, they also get into the quarterback derby here. Mel, another one of the picks you made. Again, we've gone through all odds so far. They take Trey Lance. My first question is, how strongly did you consider Trey Lance to the Patriots at pick number seven? And then my second question is, is Trey Lance – ready to start right away for a Broncos team that does not have, you know, a seven or eight year veteran to pave the runway for a year? Great question. I think for them, remember, they went after Stafford, didn't get him. They went after a situation moving forward with Sam Darnold, didn't get him. Now you're sitting there with Drew Locke. Drew Locke, whether you like Drew Locke or you don't, he's the fourth best quarterback in the division. I mean, you've got a division with Mahomes and Herbert and Carr. So in an AFC that is loaded with great quarterbacks, and they are one of the three. We talked about New England, Pittsburgh, and Denver have to figure out quarterback. To me, it makes sense for this reason, Field. Drew Locke could really step up this year if he gets help from his receivers. If Jerry Judy becomes more, more consistent, Cortland Sutton's coming off the injury list, Hamler's got to be consistent catching the ball. You got Noah Fant, the line. You got all these pieces. If Drew Locke steps up and makes progress, he's the quarterback. And if next year when Trey Lance is ready to compete, because I don't think this year he will be coming off the one double A non-season outside of one football game, being only 20 years of age with 17 career starts, needing to work on his accuracy, you know, tweak a little things fundamentally and technically. I think you're looking at a year to develop. Then in 2022 season, he competes with Locke. If Locke beats him out, 2023 competes. At some point, if he's either competing and Locke's winning, that's great for Locke. If he's better and Locke's just average, you've got to get to Mahomes, Herbert, Carr level. I don't care if it's with Locke getting there. 
If it's Lance getting there, it's a win-win for me because it locks the guy. Great. If he's not, then Lance has to be the guy. And if he's not, as we said before, everybody moves on and you start over again, right? But I think Trey Lance would be a really good pick at nine if he does fall down there to the Denver Broncos. Trey Lance with that monster arm. Imagine him throwing in that mile-high air. He could probably launch the ball 80 yards at Denver's home stadium. Let's get to pick 12. Uh, That was one made by Todd. And the Eagles, as we know, have already moved back from 6 to 12. And, Mel, I think that the collective city of Philadelphia would rip whatever hair it has out of its head if they did not land one of the four top pass catchers. But in this scenario, they get Jalen Waddell. And, man, does this feel like one of those that is just – not just a value, but a huge, huge need for Philly, too. Yeah, Jalen Rager's got to step up. They took, remember, over Justin Jefferson last year. It didn't work out well for the Eagles. If you're talking about Jalen Hurts needing weapons, why not get Jalen Waddle? So you got Jalen Hurts throwing to Jalen Waddle, former teammate. Hope Jalen Rager steps up with the Eagles. And I think at 12, and in Vegas right now, Smith and Waddle are 11 and a half. So they are playing it that somebody's going to be there possibly at 12. Whether it's Waddle or Smith, I have Smith going 11 to the New York Giants because somebody can catch the football for a change. Something the Giants have had a lot of drops and a lot of injuries at wide receiver over the years. But certainly for the Giants and Philadelphia in that division, Daniel Jones needs help. Obviously, getting Kenny Galladay is a big benefit if, you, if everybody's healthy and Ingram becomes more consistent. And certainly the Eagles getting Jalen Waddle was also a great punt return, which will help out field position, maybe get you, steal you a touchdown as a punt return for a touchdown. A lot of great things that Jalen Waddle brings to the table. Had not thought about the fact that we would have Jalen, Jalen, and Jalen on the Eagles offense if they decided to take Jalen Waddle at pick number 12. Uh, all right, so I think we may have Todd. Can you hear us? And can we hear you, Todd, Todd, Todd? I can, and I, I blame this on Kuiper. This is all on Kuiper. <laughs> He's always, he, you know, he always says that Kim can, you know, handles all of his ATMs and, and the pumpkin pie and all that stuff. But somehow he always messes with my, my audio vi- visual. I, I know it. Oh, man. Move that tie up just a little bit, Todd. The tie goes up a little bit. <laughs> Oh, Thank man. you, sir. I've been Dude, running um, around trying to look, fix go, everything. Go, look, just a hair. Go, go put the tie just a little bit. Like, like that? Little, little All right. Further, there you further. go. <laughs> a little further. Is that better? better. I'll deal with it later. All right. Good. It's, good an, it's, it's a podcast. Hey, by the way, we got Jalen, 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 the match Todd, Todd, Todd. There you I go. Heard yes. I heard it. Yeah, Todd, we saw you walking it's around the first on the thing that I've heard in this whole podcast. Oh, I've been huh. looking at you guys, watching you talk back and forth, but I haven't been able to talk, and I haven't been able to hear you. But so now I got you. shut you up, huh? <laughs> Finally. It took, it took you 15 years, Kuiper. <laughs> well, Todd, as, as you know, you, the obviously the three-round mock draft is up now on ESPN+, and we've gone through a handful of picks, and you handled the even-numbered picks, and the next one that we wanted to get into is an even number. So I'll start you right there. Todd, Caleb Farley truly might be one of the most unique, I don't know, eight or 12 prospects in this year's class. He has yep. so much upside. He's just barely learned the position of cornerback, and he's already this good. He's got a major medical question mark. You have him 20th to Chicago Bears. How much does the back concern you now? I mean, that, that's the reason he's, he's available at 20, really. I mean, he, in my mind, and I've told you this before, like if, if you had to cover a guy one-on-one, he would be the guy that I would pick over Patrick Sertan, over, um, over uh, J.C. Horn, I would, I would utilize him as that one-on-one cover guy. And the reason is he's a former wide receiver who knows exactly when to look in your eyes and to, and to know exactly when to turn and look for the football. And that's what he does so well. 
I mean, he is, he's exceptional for a college corner to be able to know when to go, go up and get the football. And that's what he does. So I, to me, if, if your staff tells me that you're going to have him for 10 years healthy, then I'm, I'm taking him as the number one corner and maybe arguably the number one defensive player in this class. That's how much I, I love his tape. But the medical, you know, plays a, a really big part into it. Just for people that may not know a ton about his transition, Caleb Barley was a quarterback in high school, started his yep. Virginia Tech career at wide receiver, got hurt early. So they moved him to cornerback in his very first game playing defense ever. Two interceptions. So the guy is certainly a quick study. Uh, that much we know about Caleb Farley. 21 is the Indianapolis Colts, Mel, and you're back on the clock here. We have not yet seen a pass rusher go off the board until the Colts take one from Miami. And as we know, there are two Miami edge rushers that might go in the first round of this year's class. Yeah, I think Jalen Phillips is the best pass rusher in this draft. And I think with the length that he has, the fact that he had such a great year at Miami, then tested off the charts, uh, is the reason why for the Colts, the team that can roll the dice on a player that has to stay healthy, has to prove his durability, but has a, ch- a chance to be a double-digit-a-year sack guy. And I think that was Quiddy Pay was there from Michigan. Jalen Phillips was there from Miami. So there were some interesting options. There was not that left, that guaranteed left tackle. Tevin Jenkins, I think, can do it, but he's a right tackle. I think to get the pass rusher, uh, you know, always have the option of moving Quentin Nelson to left tackle. Obviously, some options for the Colts in round two at left tackle. And Todd Wool will be addressing that. That was his pick for the Colts in round two. He actually took a player that I was ready to take with the next pick right after Todd took a player uh, that I would have gone with, and I had to alter my whole thinking for the Steelers. But I think the fact that they can get the left tackle but yet got the pass rusher made sense for the Colts. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And moving down to pick 24, Todd, the Pittsburgh Steelers last year could not get anything going in the running game. Can Najee Harris be the player that kind of unlocks that running game once again to give them some more balance? I think so. And I I know Mel doesn't like taking running backs in the first round, but he's 235. He's now running physically. He can catch the ball. Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator coordinator at the time, was – was basically allowing him to showcase what he could do. You don't see many running backs come back for their senior year. 
we saw Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. And I could see either of them going to Pittsburgh, but Najee just, he's so Pittsburgh, right? I mean, he doesn't like me. And I, I know I'm well aware of what he said, said about me on the, uh, on the, on the podcast, but what I love, love about right him, it, it, yeah, he, he the, I can kiss his, 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 uh, his tooth, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about him is he's, he finally realized, Hey, I'm 235. I, I got to run physically and I can catch the football. And that's what makes him special. There's just not many guys that can do what he can do in terms of the physical aggressive running and then also being being able to be a factor in the passing game. He certainly is a unique player, unique personality as well, as was evidenced during that rant. But I'm convinced. I saw Najee <laughs> at the Senior Bowl. He seemed to have that look of admiration towards you, Todd. So I'm, I'm I convinced that, that right there was definitely in jest. <laughs> uh, we've talked about this exact subject a couple of times on the show, Mel, but at 25, the Jaguars obviously are going to have Trevor Lawrence at pick number one overall. We've talked about how they could land four instant impact starters in the first two rounds. It would feel like Kadarius Toney would be a guy that right away would give their new offensive staff all kinds of creativity and optionality. Yeah, Florida connection with Urban Meyer, obviously. The versatility of Kadarius Toney with the ball in his hands, jet sweeps, reverses, great in the open. Feels like a running back playing wide receivers the way it's always felt with him. Nick Saban plays part and said, we got to stop number one, Tony at 84, Kyle Pitts. They're both phenomenal players. And I think for Tony, the key is going to be staying healthy with his style. He's so aggressive. He's so attacked. And he's got to learn, slide down, get out of bounds. Don't fight uh, you know, every, every yard. Live to fight another day. And his body, I think, will hold up better if he changes his mode of operation just a little bit. And I think for Trevor Lawrence and for Jacksonville's offense, he would be a heck of a weapon uh, to see on the board at this point. Uh, you know, think about Elijah Moore at Ole Miss and the great player he is. He was going a little earlier to the Tennessee Titans. So Tony was there for Jacksonville. And, and also Trayvon Merrick, great safety from TC, was already taken. He would make sense for Jacksonville at that point. That's why when I made that pick, I went for Kadarius Tony. By the way, the Najee Harris comments that we were referencing, those were on the Adam Schefter podcast, which if you don't listen to Adam Schefter's podcast, comes out each Monday, then that's just on you. You're missing great insight and interviews as well. <laughs> Todd, we know that Jadevian Clowney has signed with the Cleveland Browns. It's a one-year deal, though. That team could still use some edge help, and that comes in the form of a former Michigan standout at pick 26. Yeah, I, I thought about cornerback here, but I, I went with Quiddy Pay, the, the defensive end from Michigan. I, I just love his tape. He's so mm. twitchy. His first step is so explosive. And they dropped him into coverage, and I, it kind of drove me nuts watching the tape because all I wanted to see was him get up the field and go after the quarterback. And when he does that, he's so productive and he's so disruptive. And that, that's why I think you – listen, they brought in Jadavian, Miles Garrett you've got. But for the long term, if you can add another pass rusher and a guy that you can move around and play in different spots – I just think that he would upgrade that defense significantly. He's a really, really great story on top of being a really great That's true. player. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing story of perseverance. Uh, Mel, Baltimore is your hometown. Uh, I <laughs> know that Eric DaCosta, their general manager, and John Harbaugh, their head coach, were passionate in defending their wide receivers they have on the roster right now. But I still think if you got some truth serum in them, they would admit that wide receiver is in need in the draft. Can they fill that at pick 27? 
They can. And I think, uh, you know, with the way it went in terms of the board, Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU and Rashad Bateman from Minnesota were both mm. staring us in the face. And I was making that pick, and I went with Terrace Marshall, mainly because I wanted to be consistent. All the mocks that I've had had Marshall going there. This was not a mock, but Marshall's right there. He can play inside, outside, gives them the size, the length that they want, that Boykin from Notre Dame has not yet given them in terms of production. They're hoping Prochet and Duvernay from last year will step up. They can't get free agents to come here. They missed out on Kenny Galladay. They missed out on Juju Smith-Schuster and T.Y. Hilton. They got Sammy Watkins, but in order to get a big-time receiver now, it seems like you've got to draft them. They're not going to come here. It's not the days of Anquan Bolden coming to Baltimore or Steve Smith or ever making moves and getting guys like that. Uh, this is a situation where you got to draft them, and I think a, a guy like Terrace Marshall Jr. would be a a really good pick. And then they got to get a pass rusher, which maybe they can get uh, on round two. They've had good success later in the draft getting pass rushers. Uh, if they did move uh, the, out of the first round, which is always an option. That's the thing about all these teams, Field and Todd, picking in that, say, 25, 26 to 32 range, trading yep. out of that first round into the early day two range, early second round range is always an option as well. Yeah, I, I know there are some who believe we could have a late quarterback run in the first round this year, and this would be sort of the range where if you're going to trade back into the first round, it's somewhere between 27, 28. Including Vegas, to, by the way. Is Five, that right? I, Vegas, I, I, what's the over-under? Is there a number? Greeny told me today, I was on with Green, Greenberg earlier, he said yep. five and a half is the over-under. Wow. It shocked me. Yeah. Uh, Greeny, friend of this podcast, by the way. We appreciate Greeny, who, yep. of course, who, of course, will be hosting their draft coverage this year for ESPN and get into a great job. I know he's been working hard preparing on that role. Uh, a player that we have discussed on this show previously, uh, Todd, who, uh, speaking of, if, if the over-under was like seven and a half for wide receivers in the first round, I might think about the over because of players like Rashad Bateman that slides it at 28 for you to the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I, I love Rashad. I, I have, like, since the second I started watching his tape, and I thought he was 6'3 and 210 pounds, mm -hmm. but apparently he's only 6'1, 190, and I thought he was going to run a 4'5'6", like Juju Smith-Schuster, but he ran a 4'4'0". So, I mean, this guy, when you watch him on tape, he's physical. He knows how to get off the press. He knows how to use his body to, to basically shield defenders. And he is so good catching the ball in contested situations. I think he has a chance to be one of the top-tier wide receivers. We saw Juju come in as a second-rounder. We saw Michael Thomas come in as a second-rounder. I think he's got a chance to be the whatever it is, sixth, seventh, eighth wide receiver taken and wind up being the best wide receiver in this year's class, which is shaping up to be one of the best wide receiver classes that we've ever seen. Yeah, just a year after an unbelievable rookie draft class, which set a couple of records, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, in terms of, I believe, total receiving yards and also total receptions. Just a remarkable 2020 class might be trumped by a 2021 class. Let's get to the second round. Uh, certainly so many good players will still be on the board. The depth of this class seems to stand out. And back to the Jaguars, Mel, another offensive playmaker comes off the board with the very first pick of the second round. Yeah, give them a good compliment to James Robinson. They stole uh, as an undrafted free agent at Illinois State. You think about Travis Etienne, reunited with Trevor Lawrence, gives them that explosiveness. Todd talked about what Urban Meyer wants as those space guys, and you get him down the field. He's drawing comparisons to Alvin Kamara, who was a third-round pick. Todd really loved him coming out of Tennessee back in the day. And if you look at Travis Etienne, uh, he would be that, that, that 
change of pace, that one-two punch that they need. With Robinson, it really helped that offense. So you get Kadarius Tony, then you get Travis Etienne. And keep in mind, uh, this Jacksonville Jaguar team has another pick coming up at 45 in round two where they can address the defense. So not going to be all about offense, but I think these players are just too good to pass up. And now for me, it's bing, bing, it's the second round, and I can take a run back. That's good with Travis Etienne. You came dangerously close to violating your own rule right there, but pick 33 means we're in a round two. Uh, round one, Todd, we had the Bengals. I should say Mel had the Bengals taking Penny Sewell, very obvious selection for them at pick five for a lot of reasons. Uh, they need to address their left tackle position, but the other position that people would consider for them would be wide receiver. So they bypassed Jamar Chase, but in the second round, they get one of the players that I know you love in Tutu Atwell. I do. I He's he's rare in terms of his combination of quickness and speed. You don't see many guys. And I know he's only, what, 170 pounds. He's only 5'9". So yeah. He would, he would, yeah. 170, you're being very generous, Todd. I'm, I, I, you know, I like to take care of these guys, Mel. But you've watched his tape, man. Like, the way he gets off the line, the way he just separates from defensive backs, he's so unique. He really is so unique. So I, I just think he's special. And if, and if you are going to go offensive tackle, which I wouldn't go in the first round, I, w- I would push that back and go with Jamar Chase or I would, I would go with the tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida. But if you wind up going Panay Sewell in the first round, you need to bring in a playmaker. You need someone who can be that guy for Joe Burrow. And, and I, I think that's exactly who, who Tutu Atwell can wind up being. And the Bengals have the makings of a really fun offense if they can protect Joe Burrow because they already kind of go three deep at wide receiver if you include Auden Tate, but Tutu Adwell will bring a dynamic of speed that could really help that offense. Uh, so, uh, excuse me, Mel, you mentioned in the first round how you traded back from pick seven for the Lions to pick 15. You addressed defense. Making up his own rules again. Hey, he's, he's, bar- he's bartering with himself. It's great. You can orchestrate yep. a trade. and That was the easiest trade negotiated in NFL draft history. But at pick 41, <laughs> Mel, the Lions are back on the board. And right now their receiver depth chart is the thinnest that I can think of for any NFL team in a long, long time. It really is, and I think they can benefit from the great depth at wide receiver and probably bring in three before this draft's over and sign a couple of undrafted free agents. It means five. I would have five young receivers coming into my training camp via this draft and, as I say, free agency. Uh, De'Ami Brown from North Carolina is a heck of a player. He averaged over 20 yards to catch the last two years. He's got the size, the length. He's the overlooked guy. When we talk about Rashad Bateman and Terrace Marshall, you forget how good he is. Why can't he be in the late first-round discussion? I think he will be. He will be maybe a late first-round pick by the time we get to, to next week uh, on Thursday night. I think when you look at De'Ami Brown for the Lions, if he's there, yes, you can get a first-round caliber player at pick number 41. Just so much depth in this wide receiver group this year. The good players are going to be available nearly and halfway through the second round. I mean, the guy, I think uh, you know, De'Ami yeah. Brown can run. Now, that 20-plus yards per catch was validated by his speed at over six foot. So he's got size, he's got length, he's got speed, and he's got two years of producing over a 20-yard average per catch. So at pick 44, Todd, I think just looking at this exercise so far, I can't think of a better value I've seen on the board anywhere than you landing Christian Barmore out of Alabama for the Cowboys at 44. Do you think this slide is reflective of how the draft might go, or this is just one of those where, you know, sort of dumb luck got in his way? 
I, I think I just I fleeced Kuiper here. Is what happened, <laughs> you know? I like how no, he seriously. he's picking for all these teams, Bill. He's saying he fleeced me. What about you were picking for every other team? The reason why he dropped is a, I was need, this is need based. And Christian Barmore, if you looked at where he could have gone, I was a little surprised. McShay, McShay screwed hey, this whole Hey, Kuiper, I was asked the question. Why are I, you hey, answering? I'm answering it for you. Hey, you screwed it. Before you answer, you screwed this whole Barmore thing up by taking a pick of 32 for Tampa of Jalen Mayfield instead of taking Christian Barmore where he should have been picked. I, w- I wish my camera didn't turn on, to be honest with you. <laughs> Enough's enough. No, seriously. Barmore is is the only defensive tackle in this class that could go in the first round, in my opinion. Yeah. Levi uh, Anzarike is is a really talented player, but he, he didn't have the postseason, the pre-draft process that, that you expected from him. And after that, there's a d- big drop-off. And I'm, I go through all, all of my, uh, my, you know, the rankings in terms of every single team and what they need, all the needs – and I'm shocked to see that so few teams need defensive tackle. So Barmore, to me, he winds up falling either late in the first or early in the second, but he, he's the number one defensive tackle in this class, and it's about his quickness and the way he finished the last season. I, I loved watching him in the college football playoff, the semifinal and the final. That's when he kind of really turned it on. And I think he's going to be, be a special player in the NFL – but he's just still like starting to get the to really get what he has to be physically, and he's just coming into his own. But I think he's going to be a better NFL player than he was college player. Yeah, he really finished strong, as you mentioned at Alabama. Just had a remarkable final game during his uh, final college season, final college game, I should say, at Alabama, winning a defensive MVP in the national championship. So we'll see whether he even makes it out of the first round. Uh, but it sounds like he probably will not. Uh, if we were just doing a draft based purely off of player aesthetics, Joe Tryon from Washington, Todd, may be like a top five pick. The guy looks like he was built to play football. He is huge, uh, but he also is a player that, you know, I don't know that he put it together totally at the college level like some expected he would, but he certainly brings some potential edge rush to the edge rushing prowess to the Detroit Lions. Yeah, and I, I just love how physical and strong he is. And if you really study, like, most of the defensive ends, the edge rushers in the NFL that are successful, they have the element of quickness and power. You've mm-hmm. got to have both. And I, I've talked to Teddy Bruschi a lot about this. You've got to be able to scare the offensive tackle with both so that they're afraid that you're going to win with quickness or you're, you're afraid that they're going to win with power. And he can do both. And that's why I, I just think he's going to be a really good pro and I think he's one of the most underrated players in this entire draft. The guy who – he's from Texas, I believe. He landed at Washington, which was yeah. one of his favorite schools growing up. You don't see too many guys make it out of the state of Texas in recruiting, uh, much less all the way to the University of Washington, but a guy who should hear his name called relatively early during the draft process. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be.
You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Now let's get back to one of the conversations that I know we've had in several different places already, Mel. But Davis Mills is going to go somewhere earlier than a guy with 11 starts normally goes amongst quarterbacks. You have him going 51 to the Washington football team. They signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. Is the idea here for you that Davis Mills becomes the Washington starter by 2022? It is. And I think this is a great opportunity for Davis Mills. The 11 starts don't bother you in round two. They would bother you in the first round. Well, we're, mm-hmm. we're at pick here. Uh, where are we at with Washington? Pick 51. 51. Yeah. So for Davis Mills, you figure another year, say he would have played another year at Stanford, where would we have been talking about Davis Mills? A lot higher than this. And some still think he could go maybe late first round. I don't right now, but he could. I mean, Tampa Bay is a spot and teams jumping back into the late first. But I think for them, uh, with the ability to come in, learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year. He's a smart kid uh, coming out of Stanford. Uh, the year he had, and when you watched him this year, he didn't have a lot of games. Remember, he had missed the one game with COVID protocol. Only played in five. He only has 11 career starts, but he did throw the ball accurately to all levels. He did, I thought, make good decisions for the most part. And when he didn't, he didn't let it bother him. He's like the shortstop. If he made an error, he didn't have three or four errors. And if he did have a couple errors, it didn't bother him when it got late in the game. He would still throw that touchdown pass late or that drive late to win it. So he didn't let mistakes bother him. He didn't make a ton of them. But when he did, it didn't get into his mind. And I think that's for Davis Mills will bode well in the NFL. Yeah, certainly has a lot of the uh, check-the-box physical measurables, right? The guy looks kind of like a quarterback. He's a top recruit coming out of high school. Uh, chose to play at Stanford because of COVID, because of injury, other reasons why he was limited to just 11 total starts. Right after there, a really interesting player comes to the board here, Todd. Rondell Moore going to the Chicago Bears, who could use at least one more wide receiver on offense. Yeah, I mean, he, he had injury issues at Purdue. But mm-hmm. when he was healthy on the field, I mean, look how explosive he is. He ran, up, I think, a 4-2-9 in his 40-yard dash. Everyone's running in the 4-2s or 4-3s. <laughs> I get it. But you see that on tape. The catch, like the transition when he plucks and runs is so unique. And his ability to get up the field and be so explosive down the field, I just I think he has a chance to be one of the elite receivers in this group. And we've talked about Tutu Atwell, Elijah Moore, all these slot receivers. I think Rondell Moore could wind up being the, the surprise and the star of this group when it's all said and done. Ask Ohio State defensive players because they all recall his freshman year, his true freshman year at Purdue, and he just ran over, through, and around Ohio yeah. State and upset them in a huge, huge game for Purdue. Pick 56 is one of the most interesting picks so far in this draft. And I want to, it's Todd, your pick, but I want both of your thoughts on this player because he's a huge name, uh, but his, his sort of status seems to be all over the map right now. Greg Rousseau from Miami goes 56 to the Seahawks here, Todd. They worked hard on their pass rush this offseason, but Shortly after signing Alden Smith, he's once again back in trouble with the law. Rousseau could be one of those players that at this point of the round or of the draft, this feels like a potential steal for Seattle. Yeah, I I wish we got to see him play this past season. He opted out. But he had 15 and a half sacks in 2019. And when you study it, there were a lot of sacks and a lot of pressures that were just based off of him being in the right place at the right time. 
but he has athleticism. He's got some power to his game, and I think he can continue to develop. I think the worst thing that happened to him is he decided not to play this past season, and Jalen Phillips showed up and became the guy for Miami as the edge rusher. But Greg Rousseau has the talent to be one of the best edge rushers in this year's class, and if you get him mid to late second round, I think it's a steal. Yeah, we're basically guys. Jalen Phillips stole his thunder. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, the hurricanes and thunder, and I think he stole the thunder because he took the number of Gregory Rousseau, <laughs> number fifteen, and he went out and basically did everything that Rousseau had done in twenty nineteen. But had you seen Rousseau do it in twenty twenty, would have been talking about a top ten, top fifteen pick. Now, the one thing that affected this this drop was the pro day. Jalen Phillips had a phenomenal pro yep. day. Gregory Rousseau did not. So when you compare the numbers, it's a huge difference. And I think when you don't play and you go, as Todd said, and I thought this during the summer when he was getting all this publicity, you had to put him in the top 25, but I never had him super high because you saw, we're going to call them coverage sacks or quarterbacks in college holding the ball too long. He would hustle. And he would make the play, but it was not what you're going to see in the NFL. I like when they kicked him inside the defensive tackle, he was disruptive. So he's got ability. But the two reasons why he's on the board in the second round is, the fact he didn't play, and then he didn't test well. And the, the tape wasn't necessarily as impressive as you would think on paper. As, as the numbers were, yeah. normally would be. He's gone, on, uh, he's gone through something of a body metamorphosis uh, during the pre-draft process, trying to put on a bunch of weight. And, you know, we'll see where teams, whoever drafts him, I should say, decides to sort of suggest. Kuiper's going through that it. too. And we all are. It's the pandemic, right? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, so Greg Rousseau in this scenario goes 56 the Seahawks looking to get some more out of their second round pick last year uh, who Daryl Taylor Darrell Taylor from Tennessee who another pass rusher with some upside who injuries and other things held him back this past year 67 Houston Texans finally get to make a pick Mel and they go with a player in D Eskridge who was just phenomenal down in Mobile for the senior bowl before he got a little bit banged up during the week a little surprised he was still available when I made that pick at 67. He's one of those guys, super fast, former cornerback. You know, even when he's at Western Michigan, he's going to be a corner, he's going to be a slot corner, he's going to be a receiver. What's he going to be? I thought for Houston at 67, it could go a variety of directions, obviously. In Vegas now, I think their total win total for next year is five. It's right there with Detroit Lions, so they're expecting the Houston Texans again to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. We hmm. know why, but um, the needs are, are a lot. So you could go a variety of ways. I just went with the best available player at this point at a position where because it's so deep, you will see a few players slip through the cracks. He did. We still saw Nico Collins on the board in the third round. Uh, you know, guy that I really like. And Todd took him out of South Dakota State. Kay Johnson, really nice player. So, again, the depth at wide receiver will allow for somebody to slip through the cracks. And in this case, it was Dwayne Eskridge. Yeah, he just – during that week, it just felt like nobody could cover him. It just it just was not something that anybody on the defense side of the ball could figure out how to do for a guy that has not been playing wide receiver for that long. It was pretty impressive. I want to ask you guys about a few more players here as we make our way down through the third round here. Todd, uh, Peyton Turner from Houston is a guy who had a great pro day. He lands at 78 for you, Minnesota Vikings. Where do you project – is he more of a – of an is he, an end? Is he a tackle? Can he do a little bit of everything? The guy certainly uh, came on strong during the pre-draft process. That's a good question. I mean, he, he can play end. You can kick him inside, you know, an obvious pass downs. I think that's what he is. He's about 290 pounds. 
Yep. I'm sure Kuiper has his exact numbers right in front of him. <laughs> it's it's school weight too, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a big dude who's had to keep off weight, but he's got quickness and he's got the ability to be agile on the, on the outside. So I, I think Peyton Turner has a chance to be a really good player. He didn't have a great week at the Senior Bowl. Let's just be honest. I was expecting him to show up and be one of like the elite players there, and yeah. he didn't do it. And I think that that hurt his stock a little bit. But, but Peyton Turner has – I think he has the ability to be a, you know, your number one defensive end that you also can kick inside. Mel, any thoughts on Peyton Turner as a guy who, you know, maybe is – I don't know about an identity crisis. We've got to figure out where he can play. But at this round, at this juncture of the draft, would seem to present some upside for, for Minnesota who – We'll see what happens with Daniil Hunter, but we know defensively Mike Zimmer feels like this team should bounce back. I'll give Todd credit. Great pick. It was a phenomenal pick. I don't think we'll be there. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he goes earlier. I think he goes second round to Todd's point about the senior bowl, but the intensity that he plays with, the fact that he should be and could have been had he had a great senior bowl week, maybe a late one, to see him there in the third round, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Barmore gets to the second. I don't think that Peyton Turner gets to the third. I think he's going to go early to mid-second at worst. Uh, so he was one of those picks you say, boy, just because of needs and some other players uh, was able to slip through the cracks. It always happens. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility he could. But if he's there for the Vikings who need those guys, those edge guys, they like to have that ability. They've had it with Ngakwe. They remember Hunter. They've had Rick Spielman tends to gravitate to those types of players. And normally, think about D.J. Wanham last year. D.J. Wanham was a really good, I believe, like fourth-round pick coming right. out of South Carolina. Mm hmm They've, had, they've done well, and that's the thing, Todd. You see teams in the NFL, they have a, not a knack for picking at a certain position pretty well. The Vikings have a knack for these D linemen, these pass rushers, and certainly – Rick's one of the best hard. evaluators in the league. Yeah. He really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, he certainly has done a nice job building that roster in Minnesota. You think about some of the late – mid to late round picks, they have really nailed, whether it's a deal hunter, whether it's Stephon Diggs amongst the most successful players they found beyond the first round. A few more here. I want to ask you guys both, and I'll start with you, Todd, about Sean Wade, who slides to 87. He's the Ohio State cornerback, who a year ago, yep. if we were having this conversation, him going 87, people might have said we had three heads, um, but <laughs> did not have the year this past season that I think he would admit he was hoping for, and a guy who – Maybe we need to figure out whether he can play both inside or outside, or if he just needs to play one spot. That seemed to be part of the issue this past season. That's completely it. I mean, he, he played behind two first-rounders, right? Yeah. And so – and Ohio State is just producing a first-rounder after another first-rounder at the cornerback position. And so he, he was a slot guy. He played the nickel. He actually played some free safety, if you go back to 2019. And this was his year – to be the perimeter corner, the shutdown guy, and he just didn't do it. He, he struggled when he was going man-to-man -man against some of the top receivers that he faced, and that hurt him. So, yes, he's going to fall, but he has talent. He's got, he's got oily hips, as I like to say. He's fluid. He's got athleticism. He's got speed. But he just – I think he's better when he's working inside and not on the perimeter. And we'll, we'll see how they utilize him in the NFL. Yeah, and one, one thing, that Indiana game, he had to pick six, which allowed them to win that yep. football. Uh, Indiana had stormed back. He had to pick six. On the island, there were times where he was getting a little too much cushion. When he was in coverage, he would allow the catch. It just didn't seem like he felt comfortable after, like I say, exactly. going outside from that slot position. And uh, the talent's there. 
Heck, Todd, we were talking back in August. We were thinking first round for Sean Wade. Yeah, we were, I mean, we were talking about Sertan and Wade as yeah. one and two. He certainly had a, a lot of hype coming into the season, but we'll see. He ran a solid 4-4-3 at his pro day, uh, bounced back from a little bit of pre-draft process uh, injury, but sounds like he's a player that will be motivated no matter where he winds up. All right, so we're going to wrap things up here. A three-round mock draft. You can find it all on ESPN+. Plus. 105 selections made in total by Mel and Todd and – uh, you guys, the hay is mostly in the barn now. We, we, we kind of have a lot of the information that we're going to have and going to need leading into the draft process. I hope that means that the two of you are starting to plan your sleep for after the draft because you can't sleep <laughs> until May 1st, I'm assuming, Todd. I can't wait, man. I yeah, can't wait. Can't wait for you guys to get out to Cleveland. We'll have an update. We, we might be out a day early next week. We might be out on Tuesday. we got to figure out what travel schedules <laughs> and all that, what day of the first draft podcast is out. As long as week. Mel's not messing with my electronics, then I'm, well, I'm good. It'll be good. We can do it in person one day. That will be a wonderful <laughs> occasion. In the meantime, go find not just the three-round mock draft, but all of their latest content available on ESPN+. Plus. For Mel and Todd, I'm Field. We'll talk to you guys next week. Finally, draft week will be here. 